Hey, welcome to the Two Steps Ahead podcast. Today we're going to talk about whether the U.S. dollar could potentially be revalued. If you ever talk about the future of money, this is a something that comes up. It's not the first time I've had kind of a conversation about this, but it is the first time I've done a podcast about it. Uh, it also has come up when talking about retail CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. I'm not a big fan of a retail CBDC. I don't think that the pros outweigh the cons. I'm just gonna give you a quick little recap primer on what a CBDC is if you're not familiar with it. So right now we have money in the US that is issued by the central bank, Federal Reserve notes, but it is not uh, a permissioned system, meaning I can get dollars from an ATM provided I have the, the money, but I can exchange them with anyone else whenever I want. So if I have skills that someone would hire me for a job, then I could be paid in dollars cash by that person. That's a private transaction, goes on between two people, and no one really necessarily cares. Now in the US, the IRS does care if it's considered income, but that's kind of a separate topic. Right now, we have a cash system where transactions between two parties are private and they don't require anyone's permission. Now, when you get into using a digital currency, meaning you're like debit card, credit card, there are layers of permission in that you have to have an account with a third party like a bank and I have to be in good standing with that bank to provide transactions. But the current model is actually okay for the most part because if I don't like my bank, I can leave and go to a different bank. Uh, we are fortunate in that there are many choices, so there's so a competitive pressure to not be a total jerk if you're a bank because everyone would leave you. Now with a central bank digital currency, it is digital, kind of like our current money, but it is issued directly by the central bank to the people using some kind of blockchain technology and a digital wallet. In all, for all intents and purposes, it could function the same way as the current debit card would, but there is one big difference in that it would require or enable the use of smart contracts, which is where this concept of permission becomes a bigger deal. Now, if I have a CBDC, let's just call it the Fed buck, they haven't really told us what the name of it, the retail would be in the US. So let's say I have a bunch of Fed bucks in my account and I go to the store and I want to buy things. The smart contract could determine what I'm allowed to purchase. Kind of like how food stamps or WIC work. You know, there's sort of like WIC approved uh, purchases. This is in the US. So if you're not familiar and you're outside the US, there are certain classifications of food products that are allowed to be purchased with public assistance and not all things you could want to buy at the grocery store fall under that classification. Now, a very small percentage, relatively speaking, use public assistance, so the majority of citizens are not really affected or impacted by that. Now, let's say we had a central bank digital currency in the US and 95% of people used it, the situation would change dramatically in that everyone would now have limits on what types of purchases. Now, the other main difference is that WIC is generally just money given to you 
that you didn't necessarily have to work for, you apply for it, like you're asking for this generally. And I'm not going to get into that whole, anything about that. But if, let's say I had a job though, and I earned a salary from someone and I was paid in the CBDC, should I have to honor what the government decides I can and cannot buy with my money? It kind of creates this whole other debate about who gets to decide what I buy and don't buy, and are there certain situations where it's just totally unacceptable for the government to determine what I can buy. So it kind of brings up this bigger, complicated topic about CBDCs and the smart contract and what rules and regulations could be programmed into them. And there's so many like dystopian scenarios around social credit scores and carbon credit scores uh, that negative interest rates, for example, you could be forced to spend all your money and not save. There's a lot of these sort of dark dystopian scenarios that could come with the CBDC. But what I'm going to talk about today is why would anyone accept this? Like, it's not exactly a secret that there's all these downsides to a CBDC. The U.S. government has, or the Federal Reserve, has announced plans to launch one at some point. They have a project called Project Hamilton that's been conducted out of the Boston Fed for like a couple of years. Like this is not a secret, nor is it something that seems to be like a maybe. You wouldn't invest the amount of money they've invested into this if it wasn't planned for some point in the future. So it brings up this really big question, why on earth would people go for it? Now, one scenario when I've discussed this is like, they're going to wait to introduce it until there's some sort of terrible, horrible crisis, like a you know, major market crash, major unemployment, sort of a Great Depression st style, you know, terribleness. And people won't really have a choice. Like you'll either have to pick between this programmable money and starvation, and that's not going to be a difficult choice for anybody, especially those who like who have kids that they are responsible for feeding. So that's possible. That's sort of like dark to think that we're going back to something that horrific because I know the Great Depression really messed up a lot of people. Um, you know, I have grandparents and my mother-in-law actually, they were really affected by it. And like decades and decades later, we're still acting like there was food shortages. And it's been, you know, almost 100 years since that happened. I'm not definitely not hoping that humanity is headed back towards that. So let's go through some other scenarios that could happen that aren't necessarily involving like the total collapse of everything because Europe and the UK are getting very close to a CBDC. They have public plans. They have their government leaders are talking about them. Um, the Digital Pound Foundation, the Digital, Digital Euro Foundation are both very active. Companies like Ripple are participating in them. Is there another scenario that could introduce CBDC without necessarily these like dark dystopian conditions where people would still accept this new money? And I think the answer lies in a revaluation of a currency. Now, revaluation of currencies have happened in the past. I actually have three examples. They happened once in, 
uh, Switzerland. The Swiss national Swiss franc was uh, pegged to the euro prior to January of 2015, so not very long ago, and they decided to break that peg and become a free-floating currency, and overnight the value of the franc increased by 30%. That's obviously a small nation, small currency, but it is, and people knew about it in advance, but they were very secretive about it because they didn't want people freaking out and trying to take advantage of it. So it was kind of a flip the switch moment where people woke up one day and all of a sudden the Swiss franc had a completely different value in the foreign exchange market. Uh, about a decade earlier in a country called Suriname, they had a problem with hyperinflation and so they uh, revalued their currency to have a much higher valuation. So they had a currency called the Surin Surinamese Gilder, and they introduced a new currency called the Surinamese Dollar, and they had a fixed exchange rate of $1. You got, like, for $1, you got 1,000 Gilders. So if you had 1,000 Gilders, which was the older currency, you swapped those in and you got $1 in, in the exchange. So therefore, like if you went to the store and something cost you know 1,000 units, after this currency revaluation, it only cost one unit. So it was kind of a solution to hyperinflation to sort of you know lower the number of units that you would need to help stabilize the, the currency. Now, interestingly, they issued new banknotes in this new Surinamese dollar, but they actually still had coins in circulation. This was, I found this interesting. They had coins that were in denominations of 1, 5, 10, 25, 100, and 250 cents. And what they ended up doing was keeping those coins, and they just became worth like a whole lot more, like overnight. So that was kind of another example of a reevaluation. Re now, Germany is also a well-documented and well-known example of hyperinflation that just got totally out of control in between World War I and World War II, and people were absolutely stuck with these this currency that was worth very little and having to pay astronomical amounts of money for basic food necessities. So they did a revaluation also in Germany to help um, kind of fix this problem of hyperinflation. And so that's where I think this brings us to whether or not this would happen with the U.S. dollar. Uh, I've been very closely following the developments of the BRICS alliance, and I've have blog posts and uh, Twitter threads on it. The BRICS nations have announced plans to issue a new currency that they will use for trade purposes. It will not be one nation's currency. It will. This is what they've announced. It would be a basket of currencies and include. Uh, commodities like gold and potentially oil and other commodities. The, one of the articles I read indicated there would be 20 different things that fed into this basket, but the idea is that it's sort of a non-nation specific currency that they would use to trade and it would ideally have some kind of stable value uh, to help trade be successful. I mean, global trade loves things to not change. They like stable valuations, they like stable prices, they like stable supply chain and shipping routes. When everything runs like a well-oiled machine, the supply chain functions really well. So having a stable currency to do those trade exchanges is ideal. Now, if this happens, and I don't think they would be announcing it if it was not planned, like not a done deal, 
countries at the you know don't usually issue press releases about changes to their currency and then change their mind like we're getting close if this happens and if saudi arabia joins the BRICS alliance and starts to trade with other large countries outside the dollar system meaning they if opec starts selling oil in currencies other than the dollar then the value of the dollar would drop right now the dollar is extremely strong and it's extremely strong because there's a lot of uncertainty in other markets and other currencies so people feel like storing your value in dollars is a better deal or a better like play than storing in other currencies and one of the re and sort of related to that because the global marketplace still runs in dollars and everybody has to pay for stuff in dollars there's constant demand to keep that high so there isn't just one factor in my opinion that's keeping the dollar strong but if half the world all of a sudden stopped needing dollars for the trade of you know oil and food and stuff and the value started to drop people would reevaluate that decision and if there was a new currency that was backed by gold or connected to gold issued by the BRICS nations it might be a smarter play to store your wealth in this new currency and it could trigger a mass sell-off of U.S. bonds by holders outside the U.S. potentially even within the U.S. I have no idea like if as an American will be allowed to buy this new currency like how that would even work uh, but there's plenty of people outside the U.S who do hold bonds and could sell off their U.S. bonds to buy bonds in this new currency or buy this, hold this new currency. So if that happened, all of these dollars that are kind of being held outside the U.S. could flood back into the U.S. and create a real hyperinflation scenario. We already have seen the last couple of years that the supply of dollars has gotten really big after the sort of stimulus stuff of 2020 and 2021. Well, what if the all those dollars that were also issued outside of the U.S. via the euro dollar market, if they all came back into the U.S., we had major hyperinflation, kind of like this Weimar Germany thing, what would the central bank of the U.S. do about it? They could abandon the dollar. That seems unlikely. The, the Fed has one product, it's the U.S. dollar, and they've been raising rates to protect that dollar I don't see a scenario where the Fed is just like oh well we tried and we failed I do see signs that they will protect the dollar at all costs Powell has stated that there is room for multiple reserve currencies so I think it actually serves the U.S. in one capacity to to not be the only reserve currency issuer it makes U.S. products very uh, expensive in the global marketplace which has hurt national security to be honest like if you're not energy independent and manufacturing independent you're you're vulnerable all right so back to this let's say we have the situation where there's massive hyperinflation now in the u.s everything costs so much people are just running out of money like crazy credit cards are maxed out we start to see a lot of civil unrest this could be sort of the great reset idea where they say all right we have this big problem and you know what they can they're going to probably blame it on Russia and China and say, you know, this is an act of war. They have gone and created this new currency. You know, the Fed will have definitely a play to make it look like the U.S. is the victim here. 
and they say, you know, we have, we've figured out a solution. You know, we've been building this new currency. Uh, originally we were going to do it as a one-to-one -one swap, but because of this hyperinflation, here's what we're going to do. You can, you know, we're trying to make this a better currency. So if you swap in one, what, 10 units of the dollars, you get one of these new fed bucks. So they'll make the fed buck worth more. And that's why people might want to take it. Because if I just airdrop you a thousand fed bucks and the fed bucks has 10 times the buying power of the US dollar, current one, who on earth wouldn't take that new money? They might not even require, like, they might just give everybody a whole bunch of free money to sort of gain adoption and say this new money is worth way more than the old money, so people start using it. And they will also potentially give you the option to swap in your old money, saying this old money, it's now not worth anything. You don't want this old money. It's, it's going to go to, to, you know, to zero. It's going to be garbage. And they can push people to into this new system by giving people free money and saying this new currency has much greater buying power. When I have talked to people about the current national debt that's about $31 trillion, and the different scenarios in which that debt could repay, be repaid, it kind of ends in one place, one answer, which is it can't they're not going to be able to repay the national debt. So what do you do if you can't repay it? You could default, but that's really bad. Like it messes up your credit score. It's kind of like filing bankruptcy. And like there are consequences. It would absolutely damage the U.S.'s role as like this global leader. Like it's just not a good look for the U.S. to default. What could be a much more sort of face-saving play is to let the currency hyperinflate, blame it on other countries like Russia and China, and then all of a sudden, $31 trillion isn't really that much money anymore. So let's say $31 trillion now becomes $31 billion. I mean, the U.S. government gives that away as like, you know, foreign aid. And they then, the debt is now not a non-issue because it's become worth less. This also kind of plays into this concept that we, you may have heard about, that there might be a debt jubilee and all this debt forgiveness. You know, kind of the student loan thing kind of played into that. And what if, you know, everybody, every 50 years, we're going to give this debt jubilee because people get, you know, so over their heads, they just, they can't ever get ahead. Well, here's one way they could do that let the currency hyperinflate so that everybody's debt becomes, you know, inconsequential. And it's, you know, if you owed $100,000, now you owe like $100. Big, big difference there, right? And that would make a lot of people happy and celebratory and not distrustful of this new CBDC because it's kind of coming along as the solution to this problem. The U.S. gets to keep role as global leader because now they'll have this new currency that has all this value. And who knows? The new CBDC, they might even back it to something like gold or tie it to some kind of uh, fixed asset so people feel like it has concrete value. 
and other currencies sort of that the U.S. is allied with could be repegged to this new, you know, Fed buck thing that has higher value. And it could be looked at like this great rebuilding after this massive problem of the U.S. dollar hyperinflating and all the, you know, consequences that come with it. Like, you know, if you own a lot of U.S. bonds, like you, your pension fund owns those and those become worth less, you know, you got a problem. So uh, there might be a big panic when people worry that their life savings has now gone to nothing. So this is my best theory as to how the U.S. will get out of this problem of major debt. They're going to let the BRICS nations issue this new currency and let them walk away from the petrodollar agreement, which, quite honestly, the Biden administration, the Biden regime, is pushing that way anyway. They've sort of been antagonizing uh, the OPEC nations via the green agenda. The Davos sort of ESG movement is demonizing fossil fuels. I don't know why, if I were Saudi Arabia, I would honor this agreement to only sell oil in dollars if my partner is kind of acting like a jerk and saying that my product is bad. I don't see why Saudi Arabia would not go to the BRICS alliance and start selling oil in another currency. So it doesn't look to me like the U.S. has is actively trying to stop this from happening and it might very well be because this is the game plan to get the deficit gone if you also look at the recent government spending in the last like two years they spent they're spending money like there's no <laughs> intention to repay it and that may be because there isn't now i'm not suggesting that any of you go out and start racking up debt because this will happen like this i'm purely speculating here but I've not seen any people in a significant leadership role around U.S. monetary or fiscal policy talk about repaying the debt. Like, it doesn't seem to be something they bring up. Now, maybe that's just because, like, there isn't a plan, or it may be because they don't plan on paying it off ever. So this could be a good, so let's say I am right, this could be a good reason to own some assets outside of the fiat currency system, whether that is gold or silver or some crypto assets. I'm a believer in the XRP and X tokens like XLM and XDC. I think they have real utility. And if they, let's just say they stayed the same in terms of their current price, if the currency that you're using to buy them with, like dollars, all of a sudden became worth one thousandth of what it is today, by definition, that makes that currency, the crypto token, worth a thousand times more. Um, one way to get the XRP community all sorts of fired up is to talk about uh, Jimmy Valley's thesis that there could be a buyback of XRP at $35,000 or even at $50,000. Well, let's say, argument, you know, for argument's sake, that that's true. The reason why people get fired up is because $50,000 sounds like a lot of money, right? Well, what if a year from now, $50,000 only had the buying power of $500? Saying that there's going to be an XRP buyback at $500 is not exactly like this crazy controversial topic. 
the the notion that that's a really good deal for, now a $500 buyback right now would still be a great deal because XRP is like 50 cents. Uh, but the reason why people can't even fathom this 50K buyback is because it just seems like so much money. And if you owned a couple thousand tokens of XRP, it would be like life-changing money. But that is all based on the thesis that a dollar kind of keeps its buying power. And if the BRICS nations move forward, issue this new currency, the end of the petrodollar actually becomes a reality. The world moves away from being centered around dollars called de-dollarization. If that trend continues and the dollar falls in value dramatically, especially relative to other currencies, then it may usher in this new revaluation of the currency. And your 50K per token for XRP might not be the amazing deal that it feels like. Who knows? The, sometimes in some of these places like Zimbabwe, the hyperinflation is so crazy like fifty thousand dollars in today's money could have the buying power of five dollars for all we know like there there's no way for me to estimate what that ratio would be until something like this happens but if you've um followed brent johnson's milkshake dollar milkshake theory at all his thesis is that the reason the dollar is climbing is because other smaller nations that have more volatile currencies are kind of in a really tough bind. So they're putting their money in dollars because it's just less bad than theirs. And they often have debt that they have to pay in dollars and you have to buy things in the global marketplace in dollars. So there's just constant demand for dollars. And so if all of these other currencies and all of the wealth of the world all of a sudden got pushed into the dollar system because everybody else fell apart at just a faster rate, then you'd have such a massive concentration in this dollar system if it became so hyperinflated where it like it just didn't have the buying power. You know, the majority of people with wealth on the planet who had money in currencies would kind of would need to have a solution. So we'll see. I don't know if this podcast will age well. I think there are some data points indicating that this is the path that the dollar is headed to and it could be the perfect distraction to get people to accept a retail CBDC where if they introduced it today, people would just ignore it and say, I'm all set. I don't need that. No, thanks. And I don't love that this thesis kind of involves like humanity going to this really bad, dark situation, but, uh, I don't see another way for them to ever pay off the debt. It's just so much money. And it would, and actually, you know, the money is debt. That's the other interesting thing. When banks and even the central bank, like, create money out of nothing by issuing loans for the most part, if all the debt got paid back, there would be no more money. Like, I don't remember what the original amount of money was before they started to issue debt-based money. So I don't know how much of like the original supply is left. So the whole sort of idea that the whole currency is based on credit and debt, I don't know if it's sustainable forever. So it might just make sense to say, you know what, every nation that has a whole lot of gold, you will be issued the new Fed bucks, 
based on that, we're going to airdrop a whole bunch of it to U.S. citizens and make it look like it's this magical solution to a problem that was created by the fiat money system. So that's my thesis on the revaluation. It's a solution to the debt problem. It will be blamed on Russia and China because the spark that triggers it will probably come from this BRICS currency and movement away from the petrodollar. But really, it goes back way further than that. And if we didn't have this monetary system that was built on debt, then we wouldn't really care that other countries are buying oil in another currency. This, uh, let's, if we do want to talk about the good things, I think this will really help U.S. manufacturing and regionalized manufacturing because things that you currently buy in other countries may not be available. So if you wanted to focus on solutions, look for ways that you can support your local supply chain, especially food, because there may be a real gap in the market that you could help fill. All right. If you like to talk about these kinds of things, I'd love to have you join me in my locals group, twostepsahead.locals.com. The link is in the description. And every week I post in there what's going on that you need to know about. I do a weekly live about what happened this week so I can do all the research and analysis for you and you can go on with your busy life uh, but join me twostepsahead.local.com and we will continue the conversation about the future of money blockchain and geopolitics all right I'll see you in the next one